Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Bob Left Sets Podcast. My guest this week is songwriter extraordinaire Diane Warren. Diane? Hi, Bob. Good to be here. We're in your building. It's got a big R on the side of it right here on Cahuenga Boulevard. And I can reveal this information because security is very tight. And actually, your security guy told me... The parking's free. The parking's free, which is unbelievable. (laughs) But the amazing thing is, he says, people try to get into the building every day, which is really crazy. But it's got a big R on the side for Real Songs. Why is your publishing company known as Real Songs? Well, I like to think that I write real songs, so there you go. But I, I thought it was a cool name for a publishing company. At first, I, want, I was trying for the name War and Peace, W-A-R-R-E-N, P-I-E-C-E. Um, and someone had that, like, you know, which is kind of, but no one had did you, real... Did you try to buy it from them? No, no, no. I just, when I, you know, it's a long story. When I started my own publishing company years ago, I, I had to come up with a name. And, you know, I didn't try to buy that, but I like real songs, thinking that there's no way that... Someone doesn't have that, you know, even even a film company's publishing company with R-E-E-L, but no one had it. I mean, I grabbed it and it just, it's kind of, kind of fits, kind of fits me. Also, you famously had a studio that you didn't clean for 17 years. Oh, you talk, what are you talking about? It's like try 32 and it's still there. It's still there. You yeah. ever go in there anymore? I work in there all the time. You do. But now we're in a building on Cahuenga that you own. <laughs> How did you decide to buy a building? Well, my business manager thought, you know, it would be a good investment. He goes, why are you spending all that money on rent there? I go, well, I like it. I've been there forever. I've been there, again, since 1985. And I said, but there's this building I really like that I've recorded at. It's um, Atlantic Atlantic Records Studios are in there now, and it's on Coinga. It used to be Babyface's place and Solar Records in the past. Death Row also was here. Um, I think the studio in the back is where um, Suge Knight held a gun at Z's head. (laughs) No luminol in that room. Um, Who knows what was done here? But anyways, uh, so I told told my business manager, it's a building I love, and I said, check out if it's available, if if someone's a sell, and they did. And... um, I came here and I looked around. I'm like, yeah, this. I, I remember. I love this place. I went to the top floor, which reminded me of the place I am now. And I, you know, basically put a bid in. I think someone was trying to buy it, so I put a little more, and I, and I bought it. But I've had it for two and a half years, and I still really work out of my other place, mainly. Oh, really? Yeah, I still have my other place. So I'm still paying a shitload of rent at at my office. I, you know, been in forever since 1985. But I have a writing room here, and I have all the studios. And then eventually, I'm supposed to move to the top floor of my company supposed to move here but but you've already uh, been here for two and a half years well no it's taken time like we've had to get the studio like atlantic had the studios until like the beginning of the year um so we've had to fix them up and um and then they have to build out the top floor so that's taken time okay so you're supposed to move to the top floor yeah eventually i'm supposed to move to the top what's on the top floor now like office buildings you know rooms you know, it, it was, there was nothing up there. So we, we just had to kind of do it from scratch so someone had to design it and but i like where i am i've never cleaned my room it's you disgusting. Never clean your room. I have two Why? rooms there. I don't know. I, at first, I thought it was maybe you know, you know, superstition. But I think I'm just lazy, and I don't like well, anybody. How, in about, my, how about if we went to your house? Is your house? My house is a mess too, but not like my my room. You know, what I mean, like okay, is it a mess because? You want to know where everything is? Okay, the stuff at my house, I kind of know where everything is. The stu- stuff in my office, I don't really know where Do you let is. someone come in and clean your house? Yeah, but there's stuff I won't let her touch. Oh, like you know. whole rooms you won't let her touch? No, no, I don't I, have, I don't live in a big house. You know, I have a couple, few rooms, you know. But 
you know, no, it's just, but my office, it's very comfortable for me. Like you were talking about, you have a place you don't want to No, no, the funny thing is we're identical on I know, this. it's weird. It's yeah, like, but, you know, I bet, my place, the way, when I move out, they're just going to light a match and burn it down. No, me too. They're going to, I want them to literally cut that room out and bring it here to the top floor. They have I to mean, find it's just really ridiculous. I know where everything is, but I must admit there's certain stuff that hasn't been moved in years. I could find mess, I could pick up a piece of paper and if it doesn't disintegrate in my hand, it could say from to someone so-and-so called 1987. Right. I feel comfortable. I like having, you know. 30 years ago. These people who answer every email every day and clean their desk every day, I don't get it. Me either. You know, it's I like to be- answer my emails if I can, but I don't. I don't like a clean desk. A clean. I like. It's, there's something wrong with you when everything's too clean. <laughs> I totally agree. I don't trust people like well, that. The other question. I go through various <laughs> phases on the email. Do I want to answer every email? But then I find when I'm not in the mood, I give the wrong answer. So there's certain emails I should save. I get. I get to all of them, but I don't go to inbox zero. Or what about day. like someone something. This is what happens to me. I try to be nice, even if I don't like, and then it's like, oh shit. And then I get 10 more emails back from them. Like, uh. Well, I, we were talking about this a little bit off mic. I sort of solved that, that I don't respond. Yeah. I don't respond because 10% of the public is insane, and I, I don't know which 10% it is. I so if people seem totally reasonable. I had a bad experience with MySpace uh, about, God, that is about 10 years ago. And should be the guy told me, you know, the guy started bugging me. I'm in a radio contest and you have to tell all your followers to vote for me, which is something I would never do. Yeah, that's a weird thing. So when I, I said was... no, he had all of his followers email me. My inbox just, you could watch it just going berserk. And that's when I realized you just can't respond to people. Wow. And then no good deed, right? Yeah, yeah. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. You know, listen, I sort of understand it. In that success is hard to achieve, and it is a club. And if you're an outsider, I can understand how you have contempt. There are a lot of people who are just fans. Okay? Yeah, but you know what? Like, like for all the people that have contempt, for people that have done well with your lives, go do well with your own life. Why, why are you going to be... Can, why, why would you have contempt for someone that's because worked really too, hard? It's and, too and it's, hard to be successful. You know, I always, right. I always use I, the analogy I always use. Is so do the, the work, you know. But, uh, like, but it's too hard for them. I remember, you know, they they have the TV show Friends. So there's three guys and three girls. That's really there. weird. It's the second time today someone's brought up that TV show. What was the context of the first time? Someone with the, with that artist I was in earlier, and I've, I've never even seen the show. Is that weird? And I. That's weird. So the show started off good. You know, in England, yeah. the show's in. Here they run until no one's watching anymore. Right. But anybody sitting at home, gay, straight, or otherwise, six people on the show, you could find someone you're interested in. And if you're not living in Los Angeles where the show is filmed, you can sit there and say, hey, you know, if I moved to Los Angeles, I could fuck one of those people. But the right. difference is they don't move. Right, right. As someone like me, I grew up in Connecticut, you moved to LA, it takes two years just to find out who's full of shit. Okay, well, it takes longer a, than that. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> most people don't want to do the work. So they get angry that you have done the work. The irony, of course. But that, you know what? That's their problem. I mean, the thing is, like speaking for myself, I work my ass off. You know, I always have. I, I, I get to work early. I, I work really hard. I, I you know, <laughs> and I, if someone's going to get angry, like if someone's going to get contemptuous of that, that's their problem. You know, like I've always admired people that make something in themselves. I've never had contempt for them. Well, there's two things now. It used to be prior to the internet, people couldn't actually reach you. So they were saying these things and you never heard them. 
But now everyone's got a voice online, right? And Every you know, you see what's coward. going on. Okay, yeah. so let's let's go back to the <laughs> beginning. You were from LA. I'm from Van Nuys, yeah. Van Nuys. I mean, literally Van Nuys. Yeah, I'm from the Valley. For people who don't know, there's a row of mountains, the Hollywood Hills, and one side is the West Side in Hollywood. The other side is the Valley. That's a million miles away from Hollywood, really. Yeah, but. It, now, not as much. It used to be. No, but like, when, no, me growing up and my friends in the valley, the, you know, Van Nuys, Northridge area, it was like, we, me and my friends would hitchhike to Sunset Boulevard when we were kids and stuff. And, you know, it was a million miles away. Okay. So you're growing up, how often would you come to Hollywood or Westwood or something like that? You know, not super often. I didn't, you know, I mean, we did crazy things, me and my friends. You know, I mean, we're glad, we're lucky we're alive. Like, we'd hitchhike. Can you imagine getting in a car with strangers? Oh, wait, 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 I gotta stop for a second. <laughs> My parents met hitchhiking. Seriously? Seriously. They both went to Tanglewood, wow. and my mother was working in a camp. Who was driving? My father. My mother was working in a camp just over the New York line, and my father was living in Connecticut, and I, he picked up my mother hitchhiking, and they got married and were married for 40-odd years till my father passed away. So mm. during the heyday of hitchhiking, they could never say, don't hitchhike. Right, right. Oh, so that, they never that, say that's that That's how they met each other, exactly. Oh, my God, that's funny. But I remember, because it worked both ways. You both hitchhiked and you felt an obligation to pick somebody up. And it was the mid-70s. I think it was like 74. And I was at the intersection of Wilshire and San Vicente in Brentwood. And I picked a couple of people up and they started bossing me around. Oh, when was Wait, recently? No, this is in the mid-70s. That's the last, yeah. time, that's the last yeah. time I picked Ooh. somebody up. You don't know. Someone pulls out a gun or something, you know. I mean, you don't want that. But I, I, was, I was also picked up hitchhiking, running away from home to visit my friend in Cape Cod. I was once picked up with a guy in a Rolls Royce. Well, that's different. Funny. Although I read about a serial killer one time that, that had, I think he had a Rolls Really? So, okay. But, so, okay. <laughs> what did so, you go off topic? No, no, off topic. This is great. <laughs> it's fun. So you're in Van Nuys. What does your father do for a living? My dad was a prudential life insurance salesman. How successful? I think he did pretty well. You know, I, don't, I mean, not super successful. We, like, probably middle class, you know. Uh, okay. Um, and you have two sisters? Yeah, they're a lot older than me. A lot older. Yeah, so, 11 years older. And, okay, and so you're the young. Do you, do you but got, the cool thing about that is I got taken to a Beatle concert when I was little. Well, I don't have that sisters. experience, but that is definitely That's very cool. That's a cool, cool. thing. I saw him twice. Where did, where did you see him? Dodger Stadium and Hollywood Bowl. Wow. That was pretty cool. Okay, you were there. Could you hear him? There was a lot of screaming. I still remember there was a lot of screaming. So you're in Van Nuys, and you grow up. When did you get into music? You know, I just liked to... I, I, it's weird. I was so into music because I grew up listening to the radio. We had, like, the local station was KHJ, No, KO, but let's really KWB. go back. Before you're 10... Okay, before the Beatles hit. Okay. Are you listening was, to the transistor? I was younger, actually. Um, yeah, I did. I listened. To, I had a little transistor radio. I grew up in. My mom and dad had show tunes, so I got to hear like yeah, that was a big of La Mancha. Yeah, I don't know. You know sound it. of music. Exactly. No, but like the best songs ever. West Side Story. Come right, on. Right, right. So I got to hear it. I remember. I honestly, I remember the first song I remember hearing was probably when I was like, 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 like a baby was like, like a Buddy Holly or something that my sisters were playing. So I and I got to grow up hearing the music that that my sisters had and my parents had, and I listened to the radio constantly. And the, and the radio when I grew up. You know, when we, you know, was was everything. Like, you could hear Motown, you could hear the Beatles, well, you could I hear say Frank is, Sinatra or something. I always say I can ev sing every lick of Hello, Dolly by Louis Armstrong because I was you know? waiting for the Beatles. Wow. Amazing. You know, there are all See? these songs we would not know. King of the Road, which is like a great yeah, song. Roger Miller. I wouldn't know. In I knew it. How did, how did we hear that? How did I hear that in Van Nuys? Well, it you must have been that? on cage. Like, yeah, Day or exactly. It was on the top forty radio because it was supposedly the best of everything. So um, I missed that. That was cool because you got to hear everything. You know, 
Yeah, I listen. Know? I admit, you know, it, today it's it's so hard to know what's going yeah, on. Everything's very fragmented. You know, it's like okay, it sounds like the same track on this song. I mean, you know, but I mean, it was it's fun. You know, that's the cool thing about you know you could. Go and hear everything, anything you want, though. Yeah, but I guess there's a sense of community. Like when we sit here and talk about these old records, we go, "Yeah." Like, did you see that Wayne Cochran died? No. Okay, Wayne Cochran, the guy with the big blonde hair. What I've forgotten is he wrote the song "Last Kiss." He didn't have the hit version. Remember that song? Yeah. I was on on a date. Yeah. We can sit here and talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who did that song? Uh, somebody J and whatever I can't remember. It's like '64, and even Pearl Jam. Well, so it's about like a like an accident happened. Exactly, right? it was out on a date. Yeah, and there's and I and there's, there's a, back, a lot of like tragic love songs. Exactly, now. but we can talk about that. Where leader today, of the pack, that right. they always end up dying. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you were listening to the radio before the Beatles hit. Yeah, I was listening to the radio. Like I think I grew up like with my ear on a radio. And you know? were you? I loved music. Were I, you buying records? The first record I ever bought was Meet the Beatles. Okay. So, I I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I, I bought records. I had my, my parents buy me records and stuff. Then I then I got a little guitar when I was about like nine or ten that my dad brought me from Mexico. Okay, from did Tijuana. he just buy the guitar? Or I he, wanted it. You wanted it. Yeah, it was a teeny little, I wish I had it still. But I have my 12 string that I bribed my dad to get me that's there if I did. Because I was such a bad student. I got, I got kicked out of two two uh, junior highs. Whoa, 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 wait. Went to juvenile hall. Whoa, 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 whoa. Regular okay. public school. Yeah. Why'd you get kicked out? Well, let's see, the first time forging my parents' signature, smoking weed, but they didn't really catch me for smoking weed, but they saw me smoking something. I was just a bad kid, so I got kicked out of Mulholland in junior high. Right, and then which one did you go to? But I got my guitar first, I believe. Um, well, then I went to North of junior high, and I got kicked out because I had this, <clears throat> one of my teachers was such a bitch, and I, I was flipping her off. I was about to say, fa, and I had my finger up, but the uck didn't even come out, and my finger was up, and she saw me, and she sent me the, the this is like a long, this is crazy shit, so... She sent me to the principal's office, but instead of going to the principal's office, I went with a friend of mine and stayed and ran away from home and stayed with fugitive bank robbers <laughs> that were junkies for, for two weeks. I went home because I missed my cat, for real. What did your parents say about all this? They were looking. I wish I was, if I was at my other place, I could show you the actual thing that was in the paper about Mr. and Mrs. Warren looking for their daughter, Diane. Really? Yeah. Okay, so you get home and what did they say? Well, no, they were happy I was back and I was happy to see my cat. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't hit you or anything. No, no, no. They were oh. happy I was alive. You know the funniest thing is my today's standard. I was an abused kid. My father used to hit me with a hairbrush. Oh and no, the that's and terrible. That that's he, terrible. I know, but that's what happened. That's what it was. My like parents yelled at me a lot. You know. Okay, so but now you come back. Aren't they afraid you're going to run away again? No, I was cool then. I'm trying to think of. Oh, maybe I went to juvenile after that one time. I can't remember. If that's before. I was like, I was kind of a rebel. I was okay. A rebel you went kid. to juvenile hall a couple of times. And how long were you there for? Two weeks each. Okay, you go for two weeks. You're a middle-class suburbanite. The yeah. people in juvenile... My parents turned me in and they found pot in my room. Okay, but if you go to juvenile hall, there must be some rough women there. It was at Silmar. It was like, like I remember one girl had, like, um, what's it called? Sideburns. And then I remember the guard, when I came, when I was, like, going through there, had roach clip earrings on. I'm like, well, I appreciated irony even then. I was, that's it. Roach clip earrings on, and I'm... I'm here You're for here weed, well, which I wait, which I bought from the from the ice cream man. See, it's all weird, isn't it? Okay, who knew? But were you scared when you were in juvenile hall? Yeah, I was kind of like, kind of freaked out. Yeah, I tried to hide, and then yeah, I kind of remember one time I had a cell, and another time was a, a big room with a bunch of people. I was wow. like, see, I'm like, I got my street cred. You really? I could, do. I could be a rapper. You really do, <laughs> but but you do go. You graduate from high school, right? Barely. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. And then you went to junior college? So I went to Pierce Junior College for two for, years. For two years? Yeah. My, my dad said as long as I went to college, 
I'll support you. So I went to Pierce. And, and you were living at home? Yeah. Okay. So I, well, I lived at, yeah, at home most of the time. I, for about six months, I lived in an apartment, but someone kicked in my walls and my, I mean, broke through my apartment and ugh, long story. You know? Okay. So then, and after then I, then what I went back to my mom and dad's house and I went to CSUN for, for how long? Year, two years. And what I did then, which is interesting, I, I took a lot of film kind of classes. So right. I could watch history and movies, right, history right, right, of this, right. just so I didn't have to do shit. So, but, but from that, I was like watching a lot of movies and, you know, I probably learned how to do songs for movies from that. And did you graduate? No, of course not. So let's assume you wanted to go back now. I know. I'll, I know that's but they did give me a special honor when I got it. The CSUN gave me some, I don't know what's called, distinguished alumni kind of thing. And I was like, hey, you guys, I used to break into the practice rooms, but thank you. But if you wanted to go back and we've established you don't, how long would you have to go back to college to graduate? Probably 10 years. <laughs> okay, so your father buys you this guitar. Yeah. From That's my first guitar, but you want to know the, the story of my second guitar? No, let's start with the first guitar. You right. get the first guitar when you're how old? I think like 10, 9 And 10. did you take lessons? Oh, well, this is a good story. So my dad took me to somewhere to take lessons, right? Somewhere in, God, what street was it? It's like Devonshire and Balboa, somewhere around there. Okay. You know the area, the valley? Yeah. I had one guitar lesson, and I came back the next week, and the, the guitar teacher told my dad, Mr. Warren, don't bring your daughter back. She has no future in music. Because I didn't want to do, do stupid scales. He gave me these scales and shit. Right, right. The, like, the Mel Bay that. book. I don't know what it was, but I'm like, I want to make up my own songs. Okay, I don't want but, to do the, the... But when he, the guy said you had no future in music, were you discouraged at no, all? No, but that's that's me. Whenever someone says shit like that, it kind of gets me going. Okay, so <laughs> you have that guitar, you you, the, you have one lesson, then do you... So figure... I just started making up my own songs. I started writing, you know, I'm sure they were the really horrible songs, right? So I'm like 10 years old and time goes on. Um, you know, there was a tw I wanted a 12-string Martin guitar. Okay. Was, Why did you want a twelve-string Martin? I just—I don't. I love. Oh, wait, how did you even know what a Martin guitar was? I don't know. I somehow I knew, and I knew what a twelve-string was. I don't right. know. Um, and so my dad said, if you get nothing less than a B, no, no. I all I had was Ds, Fs, and Cs. I hated school. I hated. I'm like, I don't even know what I, I. I don't know. I never took math class. I don't know how I even. I don't. I can barely add and subtract and whatever. Thank God for calculators. Um, and my dad said, if I if you don't get anything less than a B. So one semester, no A's, but kind of B's, I got the 12-string guitar. Next semester, back to the F's. Okay. You know. How old were you when you got the 12-string guitar? I think about 15. Okay. How did you know how to tune it? I, know, I still barely know how to tune it. You know, I, I figured it out. Okay. Know? So when you got the 12-string guitar, did you get more serious about writing songs? Yeah, when I was about 14 or 15, I got super serious, like obsessed. But I'm still like that now. Like, I'm just as obsessed today as I was when I was like 15 years old. Well, let's talk, we'll talk about the genesis. So you're writing songs, believing you, what? What did you well, see? I thought I was great. <laughs> you thought you were great, so you, you thought know, you were going to make it. I did. I knew I was going to make it. Okay. But wait, so my dad would take me to publishers. No, no, a little slower, a little okay. slower. So you get between 8 and 14, you got the Mexican guitar, and you're writing songs. <laughs> Tijuana, yeah. You're writing songs, but you're not trying to exploit those songs. No, not when I was 12. Okay. Once you get the Martin guitar, yeah, I started. Yeah, I started getting really serious, like really obsessed, and I started writing a lot of songs. Okay, let's stop for a second. Did you have any friends? Yeah, I had friends, not friends. a lot. And I'm more antisocial. My friends that were like all going out and boy crazy and all this shit. All I cared about was music. And so you're there playing the guitar. Yeah. 
what did your friends think about you and the guitar and your writing songs? Some some of my friends were really cool about it. Some were like, you know, you know, fun, you know. I'd, I'd be sitting in the bathroom because bathrooms have really good acoustics. Right. So I'd be sitting there with my guitar. And then, um, you know, and then I, my dad took me to well, some... Well, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay, supposedly uh, Dwayne Allman used to pick his uh, guitar to the bathroom. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but in any event, so the you... The sounds would, are great. I mean, would, the, the acoustics. You right. would come home from school every day yeah. and you would practice? Yeah, I would write songs. My dad got me a shed in the back of the house where I could go. So it's like one of those sheds you buy somewhere. Oh, even like at Home Depot, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I had one. It's by the way, it's still there at my mom and dad's house. Well, they're they're not there, but that, the shed still is. And um, my dad would get me a heater for the winter, one of those little heaters. Right. So I just go there after school, and I'd be there like day and night. And when did you decide? Okay, I'm ready. I always thought I was ready. Okay. But so when I was about fifteen. Okay, when I was fifteen, do you know something called the Songwriter Showcase? I've heard of it, yeah. It was like, I don't, I don't think it's around anywhere, but John Brahaney and Lynch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had this thing, and at the time it was at Capitol Records, and it was at, I can't remember where it was, Art LeBeau's? Something like that. I uh, but I, when I came, it was at that place that turned into a club on the second floor on Robertson, whatever. But this was yeah. before I was in L.A., so. Well, I was like the youngest person that came in there. Might, they'd audition you, and he, they'd always say, you know, you're not ready yet, come back. And then I'd go, yeah, no, I'm ready. I was an arrogant little asshole. And then my dad would go, listen to them, you know, and, and they'd go, Mr. Warren, wait in the other room. <laughs> we'd be so you there. had to audition to be on the main show. Yeah, yeah, just to, and it wasn't to be a performer, it was to have your songs heard. Okay. You know, so okay, finally, wait, 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 wait. Someone else would perform your song? No, no, you'd perform right. yourself. And I'm not, not, but it's not about being, you know, for me, it wasn't about being a performer. It was about, right. I never wanted to be a performer. Right. So finally they let me on. I was, I was a little, maybe almost 16 and stuff. And, and so that was like, like cool, but you know, nothing happened. And then, you know. Did you expect to something to happen? You know, I always expected something to happen. But then at the same time, my dad was taking me to publishers and things like that. Okay, so. I like I'd have meetings with publishers, and they'd go, "You have a lot of talent," and, and um and and my dad would say, "Well, if you think she has talent, why aren't you paying her and all this stuff?" And um it was kind of funny, and well, how did and you I'd be I'd be I was a little, like I said I was really arrogant, and I'd be like, "You're going to be sorry someday that you didn't sign me." Well, that's probably why you made it, but how I'm, you... I'm really good with with um what's the what's the word you know when fighting against something. Okay, but um how did you decide you didn't want to be a performer? I never wanted to be a performer. I would see little. I'd see the name on a record. The first one that I noticed that I ever saw was up on the roof. I saw Goffin King. I go, I want to be that. And that's before I even was a songwriter, which is really weird. Okay. So your dad's taking you to publishers. Yeah. Anybody bite? No. I mean, they all said, like, you're, you have a lot of talent and blah, 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 blah. You know. Yeah, nothing really happened. And then I met a friend, through a friend, I had my first song published, but nothing happened there. And then, you know, later on, I, I met this guy that produced Laura Brownigan, and I signed with him, and Laura was kind of big. And that was kind of the first artist to... Okay, so how long did you, how old were you when you made the Laura Brannigan deal? Fuck, with Jack, um, 80, like 23, you know? Okay, so you thought this was going to be your one big break. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I've always had, I've always believed in myself. Like I never, I, I mean, I might not have foreseen this level of success, but I, I always knew like there wasn't pl a plan B. It was this or homeless person probably. Okay, so how did you, you know? how did you convince, tell us a little bit slower how it came together with that guy and Laura Brannigan. I, you know, I had a co-manager, my friend that was co-managing, you know, working with a manager and she played my song for her and she gave it to this guy named Jack White, not the White Stripes, Jack right. White, um, German record producer. And he signed me. It was a horrible deal, but you know, it was a start. 
Okay, how long was the deal supposed to run? Uh, it was supposed to be a five-year deal, but it was 100% publishing. It, there were things that weren't right about the deal, and I decided to leave, and he decided to sue me. And that's when I had to start my own publishing company, because that's when, that's when I'd, ha I'd had Rhythm of the Night. I'd had some stuff like that. Okay, wait, wait, but the first hit with Laura Branigan is... I didn't write... Well, I wrote lyrics to Solitaire. That doesn't even the, count in my mind, but I, I also wrote a song called Rhythm of the Night. Right. Which was a really big, big hit, which recouped me, you know, 500 times over. But that was when you were still with him. I was with him. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I thought you were your, by yourself no, already at that point. No, it was a couple... That, it was around there where, where, where I left him, and, you know, it was just okay. a bad situation. how did you get... How did uh, I, with DeBarge, how did that all happen? Because um, Arista Publishing in America worked his songs, and they, uh -huh. they put that together, so that was great. So you had totally written the song, you didn't know who DeBarge no, it was? No, I didn't know DeBarge was for a movie, and, you know, uh -huh. so it was for Last Dragon. Uh, okay. Barry Gordy's Last So <laughs> the record hit, that was a gigantic yeah, record. it put me on the map, that was cool. I wrote how, it by myself, that was really cool. How did you... Um, what was it like hearing the song on the radio for the first time? Awesome. By the way, it still is, <laughs> you know? It still is. I was listening. I just bought a new car, and the first song I heard was um, Stand Up for Something. Wow. How that's, cool that's, is that? That's a recent song that Diane wrote for a movie about Thurgood Marshall yeah. that we hope will be nominated and win an Oscar. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the— uh, Just got nominated for a Grammy. Yay. Right. Is you know, the Grammys. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's stay on one subject at one time. But did the reversion of Rhythm of the Night— correspond with your demo and your vision of the song? Did the, ver the version... Yeah, it was... It's a great record. Yeah, it was pretty close to the demo. So have you ever had a situation where you have a demo and someone's totally changed it and you're unhappy? Yeah, and then... I, there's been a couple of those, but then if it becomes a hit, I'm really happy. Really, <laughs> really quickly. I really changed my mind. Hey, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how do you decide you want to get out of the deal? Well, it was a horrible deal. Um... And I guess he he hadn't given me you know what, what's a I'm so I'm so not on advance. No, no, he gave me an advance, but he wasn't keeping track of. Wasn't you know, giving you royalties on time. Yeah, it wasn't stuff like that. Right. Um, and my lawyer and I I just didn't like the situation. I and I I, th I figured he should have probably you know changed the deal a little bit. You know when I recouped it a thousand million times over. Um, and so I kind of, my, my lawyer said, well, you know what? He hasn't, you know, given you your latest statement. You know, you probably could le leave if you want. So I did. And he sued me. And, um, and that's when a lot of people were trying to sign me. And I, like, I couldn't, I remember like telling my, my lawyer, like, everybody's trying to sign me, all, all these companies. She goes, you can't sign because it'll be collusion or whatever. Um, and she goes, um, you need a name for your company. You know, you have to start your own company. I'm like, but I don't want to start my own. So, I mean, you know what? It kind of worked out, right? I started my own company. Of course company. it worked out. Why did you and, not um, want to start your own company? I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to sign, you know, with Chapel or Warner Brothers or whoever, all these other people that were coming after Because you me. thought they would actually work your records? Yeah, but no, I knew no one could work my records like me. I mean, I still, you know, this is still the same way now. But um, but so I so I, I left him. He sued me. You know, a lot of my, all my money got tied up for, for a bit. How, how long did it take to resolve that? I think about a year. But I resolved it myself with them because we had to go to a court thing before there was some kind of, I don't know what that is. So basically you had to pay them. No, no. I saw them at the, at what's, what, what is it before you go to trial? You have to go to, there was some kind of thing we had to go to. A mediation? No, it wasn't a mediation, but it was like we had to meet in court, okay. whatever it was. And I said to him, why are we letting the lawyers get rich? Why don't you and I just settle it ourselves? Literally the next day I settled it with them. Wow. And, and just that fast you started that fast. your, just that fast you started your own company. I had started my own company, but just that fast everything got worked out. 
Hey, it's Bob Lefsetz. I thank you for your time. Welcome to my new podcast, The Bob Lefsetz Podcast. Remember to subscribe on TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you said you're the best promoter of your own songs. I've always been. You've always been. So tell... Well, tell, you know what it is? It's because I, I really believe in them. Like... Okay, so when you were writing a song, and you famously write six days a week, right? Yeah. You, what percentage of the time are you writing for a specific artist? And Most of the time, no, I'm just writing songs, a song I want to write. That's why I okay. usually do it. Let's get back to the inspiration in a second. But let's say the song is now finished. Right. How do you work it? Sometimes I forget to even demo it. Sometimes I just go on to the next song. But if I demo it, and I, maybe, maybe I demo it and I have somebody in mind or I know I'm going to work with somebody, I go, okay, maybe it's time to demo that song and let's, let's work, that, work on that, you know? So it's, I have a okay, lot well, of... Let's, let's say you have a demoed song. Tell us the nuts and bolts of how you actually work it. It could be somebody calling me for something that I, that I know. Like, well, say, well now, say, you're, now you're an icon when you were still hustling. I still, you know what? Everybody has to hustle. I hustle. I still hustle. I was say, well, give us an example of that. Of a you know, hustle I, you might- I mean, I, I'll call people up and I'll, and I'll, you know, if a song's right for them, I don't have, you know, an ego about it remotely. Okay, let's say I'm an act and you have a song you think's for Pitch Me. I'll say, let's, let's meet up. Let's talk about what kind of record you're making and let me play you a song that I think is right for you. And what if I say, no, I write my own songs? I'll say you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> No, but usually, but like, okay, like today, you know, an unnamed artist, you know, right. that, that, I, that I worked with, and a great artist, someone who had, who had a monster hit a couple of years ago, um, never, have, never has done an outside song, and, you know, we were meeting up, and I go, look, I'm going to play you something, I think it's great for you, and there's no pressure, I had two songs in mind. The one song it didn't fit, but I, I knew it, and I, so as I was walking here from the other office, I had like this, you know, kind of thing came to my mind, oh, no, this is the song. I played it for him, and I just saw the smile on his face. And he started singing it with me, and it was just like the way he was singing the song. And it, he goes, how did you know this is something I'm going on in my life right now? It's just weird. So it's like, you know, I'm like the song whisperer. Right. You know? So now you told me earlier today that you met this artist at a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you met the artist at a party. How did you make it so you ultimately got together so you could play him the song? You know, we, we were talking and stuff, and then I talked to his manager his manager, I think his manager was with him, and I just, I stayed in touch. And I said, you know, let's, let's, maybe we can do something. I'd love to do something. So you are not worried about appearing too aggressive or no. working at whatever. No. You'll call anybody. I, yeah, I don't, I don't care, you know. Really, it's all about the song. Okay, so to what degree do you believe you're, I mean, no one ever says, hey, you know, you're working it too hard, stay away from me. No, because some people think I'm working too hard sometimes, you know? I think I can tend to be that way. You know what it is? It's like you're a pain in the ass until, until you're not, until they, and then you're like, I love your passion. Okay, but, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, this is the contradiction I can't understand, okay? In that you are very aggressive with your songs yeah. and very successful, but in your personal life, you're not that way. No, I don't really have a personal life. Well, I have my friends and stuff. No, I have my own personal. I mean, I don't know. I just. I, but yeah. I, but you. But as I say, you were very aggressive in business. Look, look, aggr- look! I called you. Right. How we? That, how we? You know, because I, right. I was excited about this song. Right? right. You know, and that could have gone either way. What if you didn't like it? Also, you could have written something. So I mean, I right. took a chance. You know, but, but, but I believed I, in it so much. I, no, no, but I, I'll, I'll make it sort of myself. 
I love like being here now talking to you or sometimes you go to an event, you have a really good time. But for me to sit at home and say, I'm going to start creating action, I just would never do that. Like if you put me in this situation, I'm good. Okay. But I won't aggressively try to make it happen. But see, I do. I like to make things happen. And I like just to, when I really believe you can't stop me. I, I could be annoying, I guess. I mean, I guess some people like, you know. Well, as I say, it's just the, it's just the, you know, the opposite side to your personality. When it comes yeah. to you pushing the song in your career, you're very straightforward. Yeah. Whereas when you're in your personal life, you're more doubting and yeah. more shy. Yeah, so yeah. So that, that is just fascinating. It is me. weird because in real life, I'm a shy person. Right. Like totally shy and totally insecure. So, okay. After El Barge, what was the next hit? Um... Maybe nothing's going to stop us now. Or I get weak. I don't know. Okay. One of, the, one of those. So how did you end up working? You end up working with a who's who of artists. I've kind of probably almost worked with everybody. And so, okay, at the beginning of that, as I say, before you're so well known, you would just approach these people. Like, how did you end up working? Yeah. With, how did you end up working with uh, Aerosmith? That was I'd done the song for um, Armageddon, and right. that was Kathy Nelson. You know, you know Kathy. I she know she is. I don't know She's an interesting person. Okay. She's been behind some of the biggest soundtracks and soundtrack hits ever. Like, and she kind of almost created the whole soundtrack thing. You should talk to her. Okay. She'd be, she's fascinating, actually. Um, and it was Kathy. Kathy could, could get any, she could get any artist to do anything. I remember writing the song and I thought it was a girl's song. And Kathy's, Kathy goes, no, we're getting Aerosmith. I go, they're not going to do my song, you know. Steven Tyler's not going to do a song. Again, you know, a song he didn't write. I, I didn't, wouldn't think Aerosmith would. And they did. It was the biggest hit, hit ever. Okay, so you wrote the song because Kathy wanted you to write the no, song. No, no, I wrote the song for the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. You had no connection with Aerosmith. She had the connection she with She had Aerosmith. the con- connection with I mean, I'd met Aerosmith before. I'd, I'd right. worked with them. But, I, I, I mean, it wasn't me that got, got them the song. How often is it like that, and how often is you personally? Most of the time, I get, I get the artist. You know, with Lady Gaga, I would tell it happens to you. I called her on the phone, played it for her. Andra, Common, you know. Okay, okay. All that stuff. Everything. How often do you call somebody pitching a song? Um, I do it. No, I mean, every day? Yeah. Well, it depends on the song, and it's always situational, you know? But I, I'm just but trying I do to it. in a week, and you're working. No, I don't know if I do it in a week, you know, calling artists or something, but I'm, I'm pitching something, you know? Or they're pitching me, you know? It's like it's something's going on. Well, how much time do you have to spend doing that? I don't know, but it's fine. I'm fine because that's part of the process. Well, I guess for me, it's like like okay. it's it's another side of it. It's just another side of my brain. But in in a perfect world, I'll wake up at noon and go to bed at four a.m. And one of the things Ugh. I love. How do you do that? I uh, say I don't do it. I don't get up that late anymore. I get up now about nine thirty. Okay, I get up at like six. What I hate about the business day is people are looking for me all day long. Right. So it's very hard to be creative. Okay. Whereas after seven or eight, before you start hearing from the UK at one, one a.m. or so, can't you just turn your phone off? Theoretically, I can turn. But then you think you're missing something. Yes, or you don't want to miss a thing. Exactly. And there's so many things going on. You're waiting to hear about a doctor's appointment, or you leave your phone off and you miss something. You know, it's hard to totally disconnect and get in that. I can do it though. I just say, don't. I'm in my room. Don't let me know about anything for a few hours. Okay, so if you get up at six, I check my phone. If someone really wants to find me, I sometimes. Okay, but if you get up at six, what do you do? Like six fifteen, I, I I like watch the news, all the insanity for about a half hour, you know, to about quarter seven. And I just get ready. I leave the house at seven thirty. Leave the house at seven thirty, and you come to the office. You no, know, I go go I go get my coffee, my ice blended mochas. <laughs> at Starbucks or where? 
Coffee bean. Coffee bean. I'm a coffee bean girl. And uh, well, coffee bean predated Starbucks in Los Angeles. It did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been going. I've been going since I've been at that office. I've been going at coffee bean. And they know you there, obviously. Yeah, they know what I. Yeah, I know. I kind of walk get the same in, thing, you know, and get right. Yeah, Splendid mocha. It's okay. Shot, blah, blah, extreme. So, so you get your coffee, and then what? I read the paper. You know, just which paper? Catch up. I get the LA Times. Okay. And I go online, and then I try to be alone, but somehow someone tries to talk to me. Okay. What are you annoying. looking for when you're reading the paper or going online? Looking for inspiration or just to be know, caught I'm just up? reading, just seeing the insanity of the world. Okay. Yeah. And then you say people start looking for you. No, just sometimes I, I, people know me that are over there and they like come and talk to me. And so you're actually at the coffee bean. Yeah, sit down. Reading, you sit down. My cat's in my car, peeing right. in my right. car. And, <laughs> she and, does. She pees in my car. And then how? when do you leave the coffee bean? How long are you at the coffee bean? Like 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens? So I just go to work. No, no. You go to your office. I go to my office. I let my cat out of the, see, cat got out of the bag. Because she's been, well, she, I had to get her back in the bag. She gets out of the bag while I'm getting coffee and peas in my car. But that's a whole other story. Then I just go and start. I mean, literally just start writing a song yeah, that fast? I, I don't know. I start working on what I'm working on. Okay, so. I mean, I'm, I don't write a song a day. I'm just usually working on a song. So are you, do you uh, work at more than one song at one time? I try to work on one, but I kind of end up working on more than one. And do you ever not finish a song? I try not to, no. I very, very rarely. Just, try not to do something that I don't love, so I have to, when I love something, I finish it. Well, how about things you don't love? I try not to start them. Because I found, you So, I mean, I... I, I always finish, because you really, sometimes, you're not the best judge of your own material. And sometimes yep. you go back and look at the starts, and you go, oh, I should have finished. And when so, the drugs were off. Right? I, I, <laughs> I finish everything I start. So, yeah, I try to. Okay, so, how long does it take you to write a song? Um, like I work a week on a song sometimes. Okay. Because lyrics take me a long time. What's the inspiration? I don't know. You're asking me about my process. I don't know what... Ideas, you know what's the inspiration? Ideas. I, I come up with ideas. I okay, but the idea... Like, some of my best ideas come in the shower or when I'm not paying attention. Right. Your some ideas, of mine, too. Some of the, or do you sit there in the in the studio and say, I'm going to noodle on the piano until an idea comes to me? I don't know. I don't, I don't even think about it. It's, like, so magical to me that... You know, I just... I play. I play piano. I play guitar. I might play some chords, I might have a lyric idea, you know, I just see what happens. It's not, it's hard to describe it. I just do it. Okay. Does that make sense? And I show up. People go, what's your process? I show up. Okay. So you view it like a job. You show up and you're yeah. working and seeing what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Okay. And. It is a job. What? But it's a job I love. It's my right, life. Right. So. A job can be your life. What, um, what are your favorite topics to write about? I tend to write a lot of love songs, which is ironic. Um, but I, no, I, I don't know. I just like to write well, songs. Well, tell, tell the audience why it's ironic. Because <laughs> I've never been in love. <laughs> so I love, you, I'm so in love I with my cat. I don't want to psychoanalyze No, here. I'm in love with my cat. I really am in love with Is that weird? I'm like so in love with my cat. Uh, how old is your cat? She's 11. Her oh, name's wow. Mouse. Wow. Why is she named Mouse? I she, when I first got her, she was this weird looking cat. And I, I go, what the fuck is that? It looks like a mouse. So that became her name. How? What's the life expectancy of this? I hope forever because I'll have to die when she dies. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, do you think, I don't want to be the armchair psychologist, but do you think you're writing about a per perfect world that you would like to inhabit yourself? No. You think I want to hear someone breathe? <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. I can stay awake to hear you breathing. Yeah, really. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> but no, it's believable. No, and I believe it when I'm writing it, but I wouldn't want to live it. Okay. That doesn't make it like not, you know. 
a beautiful thing. Okay, so you so you start. You have the. I listen to my cat purr. Is that the same thing? I could stay awake and listen to her purr. I guess that works. I guess for me, you get the unconditional love with animals, but you don't get the feedback. And I must admit, I'm the type of person who needs feedback. No. You know, I get feedback from people, like with my music or just right. in life. Well, just in, in life. I mean, it's great. You know, it's like I get feedback from my writing, and believe me, I live for that feedback. That's yeah, you get instant feedback. Right. And that's probably Fucking the, asshole. That's probably the main <laughs> reason I do it. But it's, you know, it's an irony. What do you think when someone, do, do you like live for the, when, when someone like, you know, do you like, does that get something going when someone's, you know, is an asshole to you? And like, you know. Do you like that, or is it kind of? Are you no, like, I, I don't. Or, do you, or does it hurt but, your feelings? No, does it hurt your feelings? I think it. Okay, everyone has different theories about this. I want to read all the press. Because you're pretty fearless, right? I want to read all the press, and I want to read all the interviews because I want to be inoculated. I want right. to go. People say they don't read their own reviews. You're living in a bubble. I don't believe they don't read their own reviews. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. They either. just don't like say they read the like right. who doesn't read their reviews? Come so, on. So. You know, then there's a cliche, you know, that you're, you know, you're as good as your good reviews and your your bad reviews, whatever. But when someone you know or someone writes a particular email. Or someone you trust. Exactly. No, I have people that, believe me, when I'm working on songs, I have have a few people that I try them out on. You know, they're going to be really honest and go, uh, you've written better, you know. Okay, wait, do you try out everything? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, when I come up with a start, there's people in my office that I definitely go, so what do you think? You know? Wow. Yeah, I want and I want constructive criticism. I want people to be honest. I have producers up here. I'll, I'll play stuff. Could that be better? You know. Okay. How often do they say something and you they say they do? No, but they say something and you say I don't want to change it. It happens if I really believe in it, but I'm I'm I don't have an ego about it. So if, if someone shows me something that's better, thank you. But generally speaking, don't you write all your songs by yourself? I do. But someone could say like, what about if you put that chord, like change that chord to, to major and a minor here or voice it this way? That's still right. I'm still writing the song. You okay. know, it's, just, it's just a, you know. But you have written songs with other people. Yeah. Just not, not that many of them. And so what's that experience like? I mean, it's, it, it could be fun. I just prefer, you know, my own process. I'm the same you way. Know? I mean, like I'm you going, wouldn't want to co-write your not never your things, listen, and you got to like. Listen but the other me. thing about it is, I don't know. You know, I can't even be interrupted. Like if I'm working at my girlfriend's house, I have to be. She has one of these houses where there are no doors. And how do you get I, in? Climb through the window. <laughs> exactly through the skylight. <laughs> and uh, you like Santa Claus? Do you have a chimney. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's an electric. For, uh, you're really sharp. I don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can go this fast with you, but it's an electric uh, fire, chimney? so you can't go through. No, oh. so there's no chimney. Oh, uh, right. once upon a time it was a real fire, but it hasn't been for a long time. But I cannot be interrupted when I read about these people who work in Hollywood, multiple people in an office, and the I just can't imagine that. I just can't be interrupted. I have to get in my own I zone. No, I, I, can, I hide in my room. Right, and I can't be interrupted. But yes. You want to know that you're on the right track and it's a great resonance. But I will, must admit, even the best feeling doesn't last. I know. You know we've no, been, even if I, I could write the best song and then the next day, fuck, what am I doing now? No, because I, like, I hate I mean, myself today. I come you up know, with Even else. you know, you have a success and you get all this positive feedback. But it could be worse. The higher up you are, like the harder you fall, right, sometimes. Right. Well, then you say, I could never replicate that. And then, you know, you're... It's and then like, you do, though. Yeah, but it's like Sisyphus. You know, you're pushing the the, the stone up the hill. Well, I look, you know how I look at it? I look at, like, sometimes, like, you, the waves crash over, like, and you, like, they throw you, you swim out, and they, they come, and they throw you against the rocks. But then, you know what? You wake up the next day and go, all right, 
I, I, I worked out, now I'm going to swim again and just try to get out farther. I have another beach analogy, okay? I have, what, a, I have a theory <laughs> that the waves, waves? the waves come in and then the waves go out and certain people are left on the beach. So in the 50s, the wave was beatniks. We even had a beatnik on TV, Manergy Krebs on Dobie Gillis, oh, yeah. okay? So the waves come in and then certain people are left there. Allen Ginsberg, all those people, they live the rest of their lives, but they were left in the 50s. Right. But, okay? you can't, but you always have to... You always have to change with the times. You have to. Well, acclimate. I'm not sure about that. So, I, in what I do, you have to. Well, you know, I I feel that I you know the wave came in and I was left on the beach somewhere in the late '60s and early '70s. I'll give you a few examples. It's like, you know, all this greed and stuff that happened in the '80s. It just it was never me. And a lot of the accoutrements, you know, the clothing, et cetera, I don't understand. And there are certain values like selling out. You know. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I want. I would rather have an artist who says no as opposed to an artist who makes a big deal because I'm believing in right, the artist. Right, right, right. And that's from that the, '60s cool thing yeah, about exactly. You know about like really fighting for your art and right, you know, exactly. And you is, know that, and I'm sure you even being the songwriter, you've gotten these lyrics. I gotten these letters from people saying I was going to commit suicide, but I listened to your record all night and it yeah. got me through. You no, know, I've got a bunch of those. You know what else I get? I get letters, some really weird one <laughs> from prison. Here's one. I did a song a long time. I'm going to go when I'm back on my feet again. And you know whose favorite song it was? What's the guy that killed his family? The Marine guy? Jeffrey McDonald? Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer? No, Jeffrey McDonald. You okay. know the, the Marine guy that... The, I, I can't, there's so many killings like, no, I can't remember them Remember the one? It was like a famous thing and, and there was a book written about it. Okay. And he got... He got he got let off, and then they then he got arrested again. He he, he was a army. He was a Green Beret doc. Killed his family. Like well, his favorite song was one of my songs. And then I get these letters, like you know your songs. Say, you know I'm in prison, and I go. I wonder what he's in prison for. I come out in two two thousand eighty. Not a parking. Ticket. I get the, I get the ones from prison. I haven't been getting them recently, but I used to get them. Wow. But no, but, they, but you get the ones that like. And, and you know the cool thing is like I meet people now like a lot, and people go. You know that Lady Gaga song. You know got me through. Like that song. I got a lot of feedback with that. Well, really I guess, helped a lot of I guess for me, I feel it's a disservice men. to the audience. If you're being an artist, I don't mean you, I just mean a person being an artist, and they resonate, for me to then whore myself out to the corporate. I mean, you're living the life because you're writing songs every day. But there are a lot of people who are artists today, very different from the 60s and 70s, where the music is just a stepping stone to some greater fame. Or it is kind of weird, right? Sometimes I see some stuff. I'm like, oh, it's like, like, I guess there's no such thing as selling out. Like, it's like you've, it's gone so far beyond sell out now. It's just crazy. You know? And, you know, and every, it's everybody with any success in Los Angeles or any company, they all have an incubator and they're investing in tech stuff. You know, what yeah. about the music? I'm not investing in tech stuff. What do you do other than your real estate? Do you invest in anything? Only animal friendly stuff. What would be you an know? animal friendly thing that you invested in? Well, one of the animal friendly things I invested in was I bought a ranch. Okay. Um, and I'm, I, I, with the idea of saving animals, I just saved a cow and its baby from okay, a Okay, wait, where's the ranch? In Malibu. Okay, so when you say a ranch, how big yeah. a place is it? It's like seven acres, and there's like stables, there's areas. It's really going to be, it's really going to be mainly for rescue, but there's a house. Okay, know? but is there's anybody like there when you're not there? Yeah, there's somebody that takes care of the animals. So how many animals are there at one time? Well, I saved a horse and its baby from When a you say you, you saved a horse. Rescued. How did that give? Walk me a little slow. Someone told that. me about it, and I and so where was the horse? The horse was at a slaughterhouse, basically, and a bunch of a bunch of horses got saved, and I, I paid for a bunch of them to find homes, and these two needed a place, so I just bought the place. So I, I brought them out. So, so you have the horses. What else do you have? I have three pygmy goats. Really, they're really cute. Yeah, and these one's are all, name's Gautier. And, and these are all rescues. The goats aren't. 
Okay. But the horses are and the, the cows. And you go there every Sunday. I do. You and have to come out there. It's the, magical there. Are you good with animals? Yeah, I love them. Because I, I prefer be, them to people, don't I'll, you? I'm afraid of animals. Don't be afraid. They're wonderful. I guess I, you know. You shouldn't eat them. Okay, but they're, I've been bitten by dogs too many times. I got bit by a dog when I was a little kid. They, I, I got know. bitten just, twice in one year. Once hiking up in the mountains. Maybe you said fucked up stuff about it in your in your column. Was it a dog you? No, no, no. I mean, one, you know, it was one of my streets. I was walking to the burrito place. Dog got loose, went straight for me, and just bit me. Why didn't it want the burrito? No, I, I was walking to the oh, burrito see. place. See, I if you had the burrito, it would have gone no, no, for the burrito. No, no, food. The other, was one smart was, dog. the other one was really fucked up. This is uh, high in the hills above Malibu. And so, I'm hiking in one direction. Somebody's on their Where horse. were you hiking at? By the, be, were you hiking by the waterfalls? No, no. This is much, much oh. higher up. I suddenly can't remember the name of it. And I'm walking along, and somebody's coming on in a, in a horse in the other direction, okay, which is very strange. Normally, there's not somebody there. And they have a, a dog following them, and the, do- the horse buys me, and the dog comes, comes behind me and bites me. I mean, it's this person's dog. Oh, shit. And you're like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Wow. So, you know, all these people- Did you have to get rabies shots or anything? I didn't. I talked to my doctor about it. But, uh, you know, it's like, I'm just, and I had a, I was at a dude ranch Do you once. have any animals? I don't have any animals. First of all, I travel too much to have animals. Really? I mean, if you've traveled, you've got to do are my something favorite. with the animals. you got to do something with them. Well, if you get two cats, they could keep each other company. I guess. You could rescue them. But it's also a lot of responsibility. What if, the, what if the animal dies or something happens They're not going to gonna die. Just give them food and a litter box. Cats are cool. Cats are pretty indie. You know, so you only have so at home you have cats but not dogs. At, at home, I, yeah, I don't have any dogs. I have one cat, Mouse. She comes to work with me and then she goes home with me. How big a cat is she? She's teeny, but she's cute. But I take funny pictures of her. I have to show you. I make her look giant. <laughs> <laughs> I make her look like she's gonna like we both yawn at the same time, so it looks like we're like it's cute. Okay, so in the time you have left, have you achieved your dream, or is there anything else you would like to do? I just want to do what I do. I want to keep doing what I do. To be honest. You know, I mean, there's not one dream I've, you know, I mean. Okay, you're writing songs. Is there I mean, some? I mean, it'd be cool if like Oscar, that'd be cool. Okay, but dream. is there somebody you haven't worked with you'd like to work with? No. Okay. You know? I mean, is I've worked with so many people, but there's probably someone I don't even know I want to work with. That It's not like, I mean, if I could only work with some, I don't have Okay, is there a song you haven't written that you want to write? Yeah, I just don't know what it is. But of course there is. There's lots of No, but of I'm them. trying to say is you, do you work? I mean, yes, you want to get inspired on a regular basis. You want to write songs. But in your mind, is there like an iconic song that you want to write that you haven't written yet? Not that I know of, but I'm sure there will be. You know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not being evasive. Right, right, I'm right. saying, um, you know, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of great songs I write. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is at this stage of the game, do you have any goals? At this stage of the game, I want to get better and better and do more and more. I mean, I'm, I feel like, even though I've been doing this a long time, I feel like I'm just beginning in a way. Like, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like a veteran, even though I am a veteran. Does okay, many sense? people would say all this change in technology, which has disrupted music since the beginning of the century, has really hurt songwriters. How do you feel about that? I mean, I think it has. Because I don't understand if someone comes up now and it's just streaming— I don't know how people make a living at that. Well, that's you know? where you, that you're writing songs. Streaming is winning. You know, no, I know, I know. I mean, I'm I still make a lot of money, and my songs still do well. And there's a lot of licensing, so I, I'm talking about like someone coming up now, right? right. So if, if if someone like the me of now, if I just came up, you know, if I just wrote songs for people, that's a tough way right now with 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 streaming being the way it is, to be honest. The writers and the publishers, you know. And we live in a hip hop world right now. Is that music? Right. 
that you appreciate, want to be involved in? Yeah, because I write, I, I write for a lot of urban artists, you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of rap, but, but I did work with Snoop a couple of years ago, so. What was that like? You know? Awesome. He so really, how did that even happen? He had really good weed, and I got really stoned, and I, I ate a whole pizza by myself, and, <laughs> and, you know, but well, I, I met him. And we talked about doing something together. That's when he was Snoop Lion. Right. And I go, I want you to sing. I, I, I wrote the song called The Good Shit. Right. It's this really cool song, like kind of like, like, like comparing a relationship to, to weed, basically. I thought, well, if anybody's going to do that song, that's Snoop. And so I called him on the phone and I played it for him on the phone. And he like loved it. And he, and he like came over the next day and we started recording it. And he sang it. And, he, <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, you know what? I, I can't sing the word shit. I have to say the good, good, which I guess means weed right. as well. I go, I go, really? I'm being, I'm being censored by, by <laughs> the fuck the police guy. I loved it, <laughs> you know. So he couldn't say shit, but, I, but I loved working with him. He's great, and he sang, and it was a really cool record. Then it was used in an Overstock commercial, and it was kind of so subversive. The weed, a weed song, like you know, right. Overstock.com. So it was kind of funny, but yeah, it was, it was great to work with him. Any other stories like that? I have to think about him. I have like so many funny stories, but I have to like, I don't know how we got to, we got to rap. Urban. We got to urban music, right? You know? Yeah. A lot of urban stuff in, in the Grammys this year. A lot of hip hop stuff. I think that's reflective of society at large. I mean, this is a much bigger topic. You know, people have been bitching that the Grammys have been underrepresenting the urban sound for years, but the acknowledgement of hip hop and urban now is a reflection of what people are actually listening to. It's the end of our era. It's like I don't know. I don't look at it like that because I think like songs always work. I mean, for, in my era, I'm viewing it from a different thing. You're absolutely right. A great song can be covered yeah. 40 years later, but I guess that you know I hear. Oh, and as far as rappers, I've comment on my record, right? You know, right. But I'm saying if I if I work the theory out. Music drove the culture in the 60s and 70s, right. and then in the 80s with MTV. Music does right. not drive the culture at this particular point in time. So there are a lot of baby boomers who reminisce about when, and they go to see the old acts, and they bitch about streaming, and they bitch about hip-hop. They're now in the rearview mirror. Right. Hip-hop won. How about country? Yeah, everything's, by the way, everything's cyclical. Well, the funny thing it's is, though, cyclical. No, no, it is cyclical, but it hasn't been. It, prior to the uh, 21st century, every three or four years, it'd be a whole new sound. It's weird. You know, it's like the same thing with, with fashion and how people look. So when you, if you look at a movie from 20 years ago, they're wearing the same. Isn't it weird? Like, remember, like in the 70s and, and eight, like everything was different, like the right. hairstyles and the horrible clothes, but it was horrible, but it was different, right? Right. Like now, if you see a movie 20 years ago or even 25 years ago, everything looks the same. It's really weird. I don't know why that is, it whether is it's, weird. you know, because culture's been broken. Where's up. that one, one music? Like, you know, exactly. Like when somebody comes, like when Elvis came or the Beatles came or Prince or, you know. Right. Or even Elton John, yeah. the same type of thing. Something you heard on the radio and go, this is it. I right. specifically remember where right. I heard I Want to Hold Your Hand right. the first time sitting in my mother's Falcon in the driveway falcon. in front of us. Falcon? We had a Falcon. <laughs> really? My father bought the Falcon used and he didn't know and was angry to find out that it was a Hertz rental car and it was the best car we ever owned. Never broke. Oh, wow. But <laughs> um, but in terms of what's – how about country? You ever write with a country artist? I've written a lot of country hits, actually. Okay, yeah. like, like, give me a well, couple. I, I, How Do I Live, which was a number like, right. Grammy-winning country song for Trisha Yearwood, and then Leanne Rimes had a you know worldwide hit with it. 
Probably my biggest hit, actually. Um, I've written songs for uh, hits for Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, just to you say that you love me, for Trish, um, Sarah Evans, a bunch of Tim... Um, well, because they're still using know. real songs Yeah, there, yeah. Whereas in the urban world, it's a different thing. It's more poetry than regular songs. Yeah, Certainly I mean, not much melody. Not a lot, you know. But then I could do, you know, do a hook for somebody, you know, too. You know, they could rap in the verses. That's know? true. You still want You still want a good... Solid chorus, hopefully. So you have this song that, you know, we can only, you know, hope and pray that will probably be nominated for an Oscar and hopefully will win. Yeah, hopefully. Why don't you tell us the backstory of that? Um, it's a song called Stand Up For Something. Um, I wrote it for a movie called Marshall, which is coming out this weekend again. They're putting it out. Putting it out again? Yeah, because it, because the song got nominated and, and it got eight NAACP awards um, um, nominations. So there's some heat, you know. Good. Um and I met Reggie Hoslin, the director, during when I wrote the Lady Gaga song, Till It Happens to You. I met, he was producing the Oscars, and I met him. I happened to be out with a friend of mine at lunch, and she, or dinner, I think it was. And um, she said, oh, my cousin wrote this movie on Thurgood Marshall that Reggie Hoslin's directing. I go, oh, my God, I want to write a song for that, you know? That was the whole Oscars so white time and stuff. Right, like, oh, right, that right. good. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I knew Reggie, so I... I Called him. I said, you know, again, see, it's me right. making the move. So I called him. I said, look, I, you know, I'd love to read the script. And, you know, he goes, yeah, we're shooting it now. And he goes, I'd love you to do the song if you got inspired. So he sent me the script and I wrote down on the, um, on the script when I was done. It all means nothing if you don't stand up for something. And, and to me, it was so simple, but profound, you know, because it really is the truth, you know. And I came to the office next day. I listened to Change is Gonna Come, you know. How often do you 20. do that? Do you play another song for inspiration? Not that, I mean, not that often, but I wanted to capture something. I wanted that song to capture, like what we were talking about, when music could drive the conversation. Right. When you'd hear change is going to come or people get ready or, or what's going on. You know, we're, they, these were all like great urban right. records, and they, but they were like, and they weren't, they were inspiring because you'd hear change is going to come. You'd want to make that change. Right. right. You like hear that shit and it's like, man, it's like, I feel like I could change the world. So I, I, I want to capture that. I want to write. And, and I already had the title. I had the idea. And I just, that chorus wrote itself just like that. It was like in one take, I, I, I was like, oh shit, is, is this as good as I, I think it is? And I, you know, Julie in my office, I played it for her. I said, come and tell me if this is great. And she goes, oh my God, I have chills. I go, oh, it's, it is. And I thought maybe I'm stealing this because it was, it sounded right. like it was always there. But, but, it, but I didn't. And I came up with the verse, and I, I, I came up with a great verse really quickly. And um, then the second verse was, like, really tough. And I, I had the idea of what I, wanted, what I wanted to say, and it just took me all day to come up with one, with, you know, um, you do the best to do the best that you can do, then you can look in the mirror proud of who's looking back at you. To me, that's my, the best line in the song. That took, like, a, a day just to come up with that, you know. And then, so then I finished the song. I called Reggie played it for him I go what, you know me on the piano sounding like shit and he goes I, I are you kidding me I, I have chills all over my body he goes this is like I, I this is one of the best things I've ever heard so I demoed the song and um and he came over to the studio here he loved it and then I thought you know I go you know let's get Andrew Day how did you decide you know? on that I thought she'd be the be the right thing. I wasn't even thinking she was, she had rise up. I would stand up, but it wasn't even that. I just thought cause she, I just think she's one of the best singers like on the planet right now. And I thought, you know what, this song would would be so great for her. And her, and her manager and I were talking, and we were he, he I think he brought up let's get a rapper on there. I go I don't know one of us said Common. I'm like all right let's let's try for Common. A week later I'm I'm going to um, Sundance. 
and right in back of me at Commons, sitting on the plane. So I started singing. I started singing it to him. I told him about the song. I sang him the chorus again, again, you know, horribly singing horribly. And um, he goes, "Oh my God, you got to send me the song." So I sent it, sent it to him. The next day, he was like, "I had like ten missed calls from him." And he goes, "I have to be on this song. Please find find an area where I could just you know." Do, write, a, write a rap on there so we, we put that in and then so I saw this is a really weird thing so I, when I saw the movie with the demo in it I didn't know An, Andrew was actually in the movie she plays like a Billie Holiday character isn't that weird? that's very weird so the whole thing was meant to be that Andrew and then Common sitting next to me you know or behind, right behind me on the flight so it just kind of happened and you know and then you know, the record came out, and, and it's it's getting a life of its own. You know, right now CNN is using it. All these different people are using it, you know, besides, you know, it's, it just got nominated for an Oscar. Grammy, got nominated for a Grammy, um, you know. And, and that was cool. So that was unexpected. So I wasn't even saying anything. Like, I kind of knew the Grammy nominations were coming out. I'm like, I guess if my phone rings early, that's a good sign. Right. And it did. But I was awake. Who calls of course, you? It was like my publicist. Okay. Um, but he goes, yeah, I've got good news. Like, wow. You know, because... You know, you never know with any of that stuff. And there were only two songs from this year nominated in that category. It was um, the Taylor Swift song and stuff from last year, like La La Land, stuff like that. I forgot what else. So then... Uh, it's cool to get How many times have you been nominated for an Oscar? Eight times. Eight times. How and many times have you won an Oscar? Zero. No times. Okay. <laughs> Did you prepare a speech those eight times? I prepared a speech last time. And you know what was really bad? Okay, so because everybody really thought Till It Happens to You was going to win, including me. And it's the only time, well, no, because you loved me a long time ago, I kind of thought so. But not like this time, because when everybody's telling you, and my friend Frances Fisher, she's an actress, so she came to my house, she goes, I'm going to go over your speech to you. I'm going to put it all over your house, like on the mirrors and stuff. You have to like learn it. Because I, I kind of wrote, I wrote my own speech. It was a little speech, but it was a really nice speech. And um, so she goes, she put it in every mirror and everything. So the Oscars are the next, you know, this is on a Saturday. No, it's a Sunday when she put them all over the house. So I was like, on Sunday morning, like looking, you know, and there's Sunday night. And then, and, and, and then you see that amazing, I mean, Gaga's performance was one for the ages. That was, right. that was fantastic with those kids with the writing on their arms. I mean, and, and her performance was, it was insane. And Joe Biden introducing it. And then everything was great until, and the winner is. <laughs> uh, that part wasn't great. And then I have to go home to see all those things all over the oh, mirrors God. and everything. Fuck that, right? So uh, uh, what's it like hearing somebody else's name in that circumstance? It sucks. I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. No, no, it's no fine. I, I, I'm sure it sucks. <laughs> no, I but and usually, imagine. but usually, look, usually I don't expect it. So, right. it you know, but that time I kind of did, you know, and, and a lot of other people, everybody, my phone was blowing up. People were like, when I was walking, you know, I was sitting back, like uh, Steven Spielberg was right back of me like, and he goes, oh, like, like what? How did that not win? You know what I mean? So people, like everybody thought that was going to win. And yeah. if you do win an Oscar, what will that mean to you? It will be really great. And, and um, yeah, it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. It'd be really cool if it was this song. I think this is the best thing I've ever done. Hi, this is Bob Lefsetz, and I want to thank you for being a fan of my podcast. You can email me at bob at and let us know what you think and suggestions. We're open to all ideas. Be sure to subscribe at TuneIn, iTunes, or your podcast player of choice. Next, we have Eric Bazilian, the genius behind so many Hooter songs. And he also wrote One of Us by Joan Osborne. You know that you really love it. Tune in to hear those stories and the story of the making of the first Cindy Lauper album. I guarantee you, you'll be intrigued. Exactly why. 
down. 